Hi, this is Will. And this is Tree. Welcome to the Technium, where we talk about the edge of technology and what we can build with it. An optimistic look at the road ahead. How's it going, Tree? Pretty good, pretty good. Just coming back from a big camping trip. That's great. Hopefully it's not just the same beer that you, hopefully you don't come back with the same beer and say, I got it from a camping trip. No, no, I, I actually brought back some uh, apple cider from the farms of Western Massachusetts. So oh, yeah. off brand, this, <laughs> this channel gets uh, hipster and more hipster, I guess. Yep. Um, I am just going down the aisles of Whole Foods buying uh, brands that I don't recognize. So I have a Rowdy Mermaid, Strawberry Holy Basil, a Sparkling Immunity Tonic. I hope this doesn't <laughs> taste terrible. I don't know when when things are called tonics. I'm not I'm not sure how well they'll taste. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what a Rowdy Mermaid is, but yeah. uh, that sounds like a good time. And then a kombucha, the island mango, passion fruit, ginger, green tea. So hopefully that's not uh, that's not too bad as either. Very nice. So, are you ready for this week's this week's show? I am. I hear we're talking about DAOs. That's right. We're talking about DAOs, and a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization, and it's a group of people that is organized around a goal or a mission and they coordinate themselves to collective action. But what's different from say a company or a collective, these groups exist solely online and they coordinate their actions through a shared set of rules that are enforced uh, on a blockchain. And so some of these rules tend to be around governance. So like voting, they would have different proposals of what the DAO should do next. And they vote on things. They have, you know, chat tools to kind of talk about things, but mostly it's the governance tools such as voting that are enforced on chain. So, so that's, that's what we're talking about today. Cool. Yeah. Actually, this is the first time in this, in this podcast that we're actually doing a topic about crypto. So I'm really <laughs> excited about DAOs as our first crypto topic. Right. Because um, you've been flirting with crypto ever since our very first uh, episode, I guess. So yeah. here we go. So for once, I don't have to shoehorn it into uh, <laughs> into an un unrelated topic. Even though, like outside of these things, you never ever talk about crypto, but somehow it's just inside these episodes. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I need I, me some, I need me some crypto. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and one of the reasons why I've been getting increasingly hyped about crypto um, are DAOs. DAOs are, are are really analogous to these organizations that we have offline in real life, things like corporations, nonprofits, and other decision-making bodies. For example, even local governments, city councils, things like that. But the interesting thing about DAOs is that all of the governance, the voting, the rules by which it operates, the way that it can access its assets are, are codified on the blockchain. So it has a set of rules which are, are basically 
irrevocable. So, or they can be updated, but for the most part, the way that it operates cannot really be circumvented. So it gives some sort of guarantees about the way it operates. And it's not really tied to a particular jurisdiction. So I think that if you think about a corporation, it's incorporated in a certain place and the way that it operates is governed by the rules of that jurisdiction and the way that it, the, it operates is also enforced by not through any technical means, but through legal means. So the government says that a corporation works this way. And if it doesn't run that way, your only recourse is to sue them in the courts. Whereas in a DAO, it sort of runs the way that it's set up and you have guarantees around that. And it's not tied to kind of a, a particular legal jurisdiction. Yeah. And so one thing that you mentioned uh, just now was that the rules of, of governance uh, and basically the rules of how groups of people work together is is enforced by law before, right? Instead of on chain. But like, what what's what's wrong with like things being enforced by law? Why would DAOs want to be enforced on chain rather than using good old law? Yeah, I think that there's a certain level of transparency. Basically, the way that it operates is, is available for everyone to inspect and to a degree also available for everyone to participate. And if you compare that to a corporation, a corporation is a closed system. If you, for example, don't trust the way that it runs, First of all, you actually don't get any any transparency into how a given corporation, well, let's say a nonprofit runs. Let's say that you donate money to a nonprofit. You don't know how it's really going to spend those funds. They might put out an investor statement. They might put out some type of transparency report. But you don't, there are no contractual sort of guarantees. If you suspect that they're not doing something properly, then you might have some recourse through the legal system, but it's a fairly expensive process and it doesn't really lend itself to, to transparency at its core. And I think yeah. that with a DAO, you get all of that for free and uh, you get a lot of guarantees. You know that if you give your money to a DAO or you invest in a DAO, that it will operate by the rules by it, it says just by definition. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the transparency of a DAO comes from the properties of the underlying blockchain itself, right? And so that's pretty great because, like you said, having up-to-date reporting of where a nonprofit is spending their money is just so onerous that, like, you might as well just burn all the money on overhead generating these sort of reports. But with a DAO, like you, you get that part for free. A lot of these DAOs, they used to build their own tools, but you know, various types of startups and organizations have started providing tools for running a DAO so that you don't have to get your hands messy writing smart contracts or anything like that. You, as long as you have a wallet, you can sign up and just start 
running one or participating in it as as an individual inside of the DAO? Yeah, I want to take a step back mm -hmm. and kind of give some examples of the types of organizations that we're talking about. So I came up with a, you know a, a short list, but basically we're talking about organizations that have a common goal and they have uh, a group of people. I like to think of them as different types of stakeholders who are trying to advance that goal. So we gave the, the example of a corporation or a nonprofit. A lot of the DAOs that we've seen are centered around the running and management of a crypto project or a type of infrastructure. So mm -hmm. um, the stakeholders are either the developers or the users of that project. And their goal is to kind of keep the, the project functioning, to add new features, to make sure that the project is stable and, and growing. So that's that's one class of DAOs that I've seen. Yeah, like a lot of the different projects that like DeFi projects or even the NFT projects, they'll use the NFTs or the tokens as a signifier for membership. And then you can use either the tokens or the NFTs as part of the votes that you have and, and a way to participate in, in inside of the DAO. Yeah. And, you know, everybody in that project has a vested interest in making sure that the DAO is advancing the mission of whatever goal. A lot of the time it's through the fact that they have invested their resources to acquire those tokens or the NFTs to demonstrate their sort of commitment that they have skin in the game. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and it's it's another building block in which you can build communities, but but that's kind of an overloaded term nowadays. Everybody wants to build communities, but it's it's just another way of organizing people. In the same way that when the group buying came out, like Groupon, it was just another way of organizing a collective action to get a discount. And for Kickstarter and Indiegogo, it's it's it expanded the scope a little bit more so that you can have different targeted goals. But there, it's it's a centralized entity that can reject different goals or groups that want to get together. Whereas with DAOs, it's completely unstoppable. Anybody can set up different DAOs for different for different goals and different missions and, and come to consensus for collective action through the governance tools that, that you have on chain. Yeah, I think that's an interesting part that cannot be overlooked is that it's not reliant on any central entity. So something that came to mind is that, you know, if you remember Star Wars, you had the, the Rebel Alliance and obviously there would probably be uh, a lot of uh, incentive for the empire to stamp out the rebel alliance from any type of uh, communication platforms or, or whatever they had going on in, uh, in Star Wars, but they could run a DAO and maybe, uh, you know, organize their attack on the death, death star. Right. We um, got to raise more money for some more X-Wings. So 
if anybody in the galaxy wants to contribute you know like, yeah that, exactly that's the case yeah i mean like it's it's not so far-fetched because like kickstarter had rules as, as to like what sort of projects could create di different kickstarter campaigns uh, on their platform right because I, I i i forgot was it is it products i guess or like maybe at one point it was like venture funded web products or something like that that they didn't want on there or but anyways they, they do have a, a system there so it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility it's not just us hand waving saying oh this might happen like it, people already do curate this sort of stuff so you know we've talked about DAOs that run crypto projects and uh, keep them running what are some DAOs that exist today that are that are working on this yeah there are a couple for a while DAOs fell out of favor because the very first DAO that existed on Ethereum came online, raised uh, a whole bunch of money, a couple million dollars, and then there was a hack due to the weakness in the smart contract that siphoned off about a third of its funds. So DAOs fell out of favor for uh, a couple of years before they came back again. And so now we have a variety of different DAOs that do a variety of different things. One of the older DAOs that is still in existence today is MakerDAO. And they're a decentralized organization built on Ethereum to allow lending and borrowing of cryptocurrencies without the need of a middleman like a bank. And in order to borrow on the blockchain, there's no cr uh, credit. So you have to over collateralize. Nowadays, as an aside, people have figured out like other ways to do this without over collateralizing, but that could be for a different episode. But the, the point here is that through the mechanism of lending and borrowing involving three different cryptocurrencies, ETH, Maker, and DAI, they're able to generate a stable coin called DAI, where the value of that coin is always at $1. And then with Maker, that's used as a governance token to uh, decide on what the interest rate for the borrowing is. So people that are holders of the Maker token can collectively vote on whether to increase or decrease the interest rate to help regulate the price of die so that it stays at a stable one dollar and so that's a pretty interesting system there yeah i was going to say that a lot of finance relies on central entities and this almost sounds to me like the fed here in the u.s uh, setting interest rates in order to control the rate of growth of the economy or inflation or deflation and that's a central body which actually was a controversial decision in the and the founding of, of this country mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to hear about the maker dow actually maybe serving a analogous function to this economy and the stability of uh, this currency die and uh, I think the advantage I see is that unlike a central body that governs it, this is, is sort of uh, transparent and also open in that I think you can 
purchase uh, maker tokens. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can participate. In. Right, and so so that's that's one of the uh, older dyes that have been around. 2017 or so, 1617. <laughs> so only three or four years of one of the older ones. But then there, there are other ones uh, s- such as the Malik doll. And Malik doll is more of an investment vehicle. And currently it doesn't really have a lot of activity, but it's spawned and superseded by a lot of other DAO such as Meta Cartel and the Lao, in which they fund Ethereum like infrastructure projects. And so that's something that people have really taken to where it's, it's a way to fund infrastructure projects. There are other types of DAOs that are investment vehicles such as the Yield Guild, and they invest in digital real estate inside of games as NFTs. And so they collective buy these NFTs to acquire rare and uh, valuable NFTs that represent um, various in-game assets from real estate to armor items. And there are people that are in the Philippines in the pandemic that couldn't work and they turn to Yield Guild to have an income stream. And so you'll see them playing on phones and stuff like that as, as part of their work to people that you wouldn't think of traditionally as gamers, but yeah, like that's, that's something that's happening today. And then lastly, there's, there's something relatively recent party DAO by John C. Palmer and his team. Like he's also a guy from YC. Um, And it's a, it's a DAO in which their purpose is to, buy NFTs collectively, because a lot of NFTs today have a floor price that is high, to, to say the least. Like some, some of the floor prices are like 10 ETH, which at the time of this podcast is like, what, $30,000, right? Yeah. Thereabouts. And, and so it's out of the, it, like most people are priced out of it. And so what party DAOs allows uh, people to do is fractionalize these NFTs so that it's a collective group buying DAO for NFTs and they, they share in the ownership of that. And so there's a lot of different uh, things that people are doing. And that's not to mention like a lot of the DeFi projects such as Uniswap, AAVE, and Abe, I Abe. okay and sushi swap and so on and so forth ens like these are all DAOs to one degree or another where they have voting members to with proposals to say hey this is where i think uh, we should go and stuff like that very cool so DAOs DAOs are real they're not just a kind of uh theoretical idea they're being used uh, to actually run these projects it seems yeah yeah they're being run uh, they're being used and run today and for some of the bigger ones it seems rather effectively because you know for example the price of die has stuck around to one dollar so far even though the volatility of eth may have had the chance to affect it they they've held relatively steady nice very cool so beyond like people that are supporting crypto projects, like what what's, what are the other DAO types that, that you've seen? Yeah, I've seen a lot of DAOs that represent a particular 
interest group that doesn't necessarily have to do with a concrete crypto project. So I've seen DAOs that are trying to create grants for artists. And so they sort of pool together their resources and uh, decide that they are going to invest in a particular um, uh, artist or project or, or endeavor. And they sort of give these micro grants. And so the way that DAOs help is that whoever are the sort of partners of this grant DAO vote on on who they're going to disperse their funds to. So that's that's kind of an interesting one. I've also seen DAOs organized around just social groups as well. So I think there's an interesting project called Friends with Benefits, which is a sort of invite-only community of, of crypto intellectuals and they basically require that you own a certain token to uh, or actually a certain amount of tokens to join their community and then once you're a member you're also a, a voting member of their DAO uh, and so you can decide how that community runs. Yeah I, I think it's been interesting where Open source projects had often had difficulty finding funding for the important work that they do in writing software that holds up a lot of the infrastructure for the internet. I'm surprised that it even works at all, honestly. Yeah. Like, there's like it's smaller than you would think. Like, it's just a handful, maybe two or three people that are like working on infrastructure software. But the interesting thing about the infrastructure for Ethereum was that Ethereum was effectively about money. And so they could take the product that they have and turn it back on itself to invest in even more infrastructure. So in that way, they were able to kind of bootstrap and support developers working on improving the network. And so, so a, a lot of, initially, a lot of the investment funds that I saw were Ethereum like infrastructure funds. But now I, th I think they've kind of branched out where there's a lot more investment funds that where the members are in it mainly to get a yield of whether it's investing in NFTs or in certain tokens or so on and so forth. And, and and then on the flip side, there are some DAOs that I've seen that try to tie to uh, real world things to affect environment. Uh, so environmentally conscious DAOs and whatnot. And so we, we can get into that later, but it's just something that I've seen in, in terms of investment funds and whatnot. Yeah, uh, definitely. And and actually the open source point is, is really interesting because I think on, on Hacker News, I've seen a lot of posts, maybe once every couple of months, where it's a open source maintainer who's burnt out and they're like, I yes. give up on this project. And it turns out nobody's getting paid anything. And I think there's a lot of ambiguity when you're running an open source project around the decision making. And a lot of that inevitably informally falls upon the main contributor. And so I think a DAO is a great way to alleviate that pressure and make sure that there's continuity, both financially, as well as I think 
psychologically um, making sure that critical infrastructure of the internet going forward is kind of built in a sustainable way. Yeah, and um, there is a project that like Gitcoin that that is trying to fund the open web, not, not all projects together, but like there there are people that are starting DAOs that that are trying to help fix this problem. But definitely, it's not a a pervasive solution to the open source funding problem that that we have yet. But yeah, I mean, like this this it's interesting for these kinds of reasons, right? Where you can get people to do stuff together. That's where like humans have been able to scale from like a small tribe of people to like companies, organizations, cities, and nation states. Yeah. So there's a there's an interesting project out in Wyoming, uh, which is uh, basically starting a commune. I think they have several acres of land, uh, maybe more. And they're calling it a city, but it's effectively a commune. And they're using this DAO to decide things about uh, how they're going to develop the land, what kind of physical infrastructure um, they're going to invest in. And if you're an investor in this DAO, you uh, have voting rights. And so it's an interesting kind of connect between a completely digital organization powered by these digital structures and uh, and then physical actual physical land and i think the key point that allows this bridge between uh, online and offline is the fact wow. that the wyoming uh, legislature has recognized a dao as an official type of entity mm-hmm. and so i think that will make it an interesting place to develop this kind of a new government structures yeah i was surprised that it was in wyoming but i think it makes sense given that uh, i think it was the senator of wyoming uh, cynthia lummis that has been really uh, been behind some of these uh, legislate legislative advancements within her state it's kind of like I imagine in the same way that Delaware has a lot of corporations that are incorporated in that state, mostly because A, everybody's used to doing it, but B, there are advantages for C-Corps to be incorporated there. And so in the same way, I think Wyoming is getting the jump on it so that DAOs would, quote unquote, incorporate in the state of Wyoming, giving the state an advantage for for these sort of things because as more and more of our lives are online the geographic constraints don't really hem in a geographic area anymore so if wyoming can get a jump on being friendly to DAOs and they make it big then it's probably going to be a big boon to the state yeah i was also thinking connecting back to this metaverse concept that we that we were discussing there is this aspect of the metaverse that is online and offline merging. And it makes sense that going forward, if we want that to happen, then we need a way to connect the decision-making power of DAOs to be able to affect change in the real world, including being able to do things like own physical property or 
uh, sign a contract with a, a corporation who's not a DAO, mm -hmm. right? And so I think there's going to be a lot of case law that is inevitably going to be developed, but also a lot of new laws and, and uh, that are going to be passed in legislative bodies that recognize a DAO and the interface between a DAO and your traditional contract law. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this will be exciting. Not the the actual tools are not nearly as sexy as the things that other things that we've talked about. But I, I think any time that you can get a whole bunch of people together to do stuff, you're going to change the world in some significant way. And I, I see DAOs as not going away anytime soon. And it, it's, we're going to see evidence of this across different aspects of our lives in the near future. Yeah. I'm curious to hear, you know, we've gone into the kind of concrete examples of what are DAOs and, and how they're sort of powered differently than your traditional groups. What do you think it enables us to do that we wouldn't be able to do before? I think we talked about transparency, but are there, uh, are there other interesting aspects to this? I guess the thing that came to mind was a sense of ownership of these DAOs because the governing tools is based on the ownership of rare and limited tokens and NFTs. I think uh, a lot of Americans feel like the country may be doing well, but they don't feel like they're improving along with it. And I think part of the issue there is that there's no sense of equity in the rising wealth of America doing well. And most of the wealth is in equity of variety of different companies. And while people in the social economic stratus that like you and I know, like we invest in stocks, there's plenty of people that I've met where they felt like stocks are a little too abstract. Hmm. And, you know, they'd rather invest in something concrete like real estate. But then surprisingly, like these very same people are like, oh yeah, crypto, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so so, uh, so my point is, is that the new thing that DAOs allow us to do is if you are a user of the web and of uh, cryptocurrency wallets, then you can participate in the ownership of various organizations that can increase in value and your own assets and, and worth, uh, financial worth would increase with the uh, increased value of these DAOs. Yeah. I think that that's a really key point that DAOs open access in in a couple senses, obviously not all DAOs are going to allow everybody to just join off the street and make uh, big decisions for an important project. But it's open access in the sense that right now, the only way that you can participate in the running of what are now core parts of infrastructure, people are calling Facebook and Google, for example, 
core infrastructure that we all you know, depend upon today. There's a separation between the users of that infrastructure or those services and the people who run it and decide how those things run. And part of that is due to the, the financial and legal mechanisms by which they were founded. So in a corporation, and these are, I guess, C-corps, you have shareholders and you um, that's a separate class of people than the users. Yeah. Uh, and so if you want to have ownership and, and some sway in the way that these companies run, you buy shares and, and presumably get to vote, although that's getting harder and harder these days. But I think the interesting thing about DAOs is that you can basically open up decision-making to all different types of st stakeholders. So you can decide that if your DAO is growing, you allow the users of your project to also have some say in the direction of, of the project and, and maybe vote on features that they want or you know, key decisions that will affect them in a way that you wouldn't really be able to do in any enforceable manner in a traditional legally incorporated corporation. Yeah, and that's why it made such a big splash that like activist investors managed to get like climate supporters onto was it ExxonMobil's board, right? Yeah. And so we have just companies that are mind-boggling big. Like even I have a hard sense, like getting a sense of like what a trillion-dollar company looks like. But I, I think we have a couple by now, right? So, yeah. so the but but like. It's so pervasive and so useful that it feels like it should be a utility, but like uh, the, the way that these corporations are structured is that if you can get to that place, there's, there's no really no really upper limit. There's no like phase transition for these companies to turn into utilities, which would be better for the public it doesn't become a public good or anything like that because the assumption is that like if if you built these things you should reap the the benefits and as far as you can go as high as you can go the 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 bigger the better sort of thing of course that's not strictly true because we have uh monopoly laws that were enacted like back in the late 1800s on the oil industry and so there there has been some action but nowadays i think the definition of monopoly has slightly changed and lawmakers are having a hard time coming to terms with those to figure out exactly what it is because it, it doesn't quite fit the standard definition and and so DAOs are a way to kind of start from the bottom up again as as a collective good yeah and it's not only sort of the greed aspect. I think that there's just logistical. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I didn't mean to say that well. this is greed. It's just the way that uh, our our corporations are structured, and yeah. it's just nobody expected these things to get as big as they they are. And usually that happens when there's like a step function in the in the platforms and the technologies that that are available at the time right so yeah exactly 
Yeah, you know, the I think imagine if you have a utility if like imagine if you turn Facebook into a utility and you say that all users of Facebook get some amount of sway, some amount of voting power in the um, you know running of uh, of Facebook. Well, Facebook has now what several billion users. There's no way that the legal uh, system would be able to handle resolving uh, a vote or a conflict of of any kind among so many different parties. But presumably, that could happen with a DAO. Although I'm not sure if there are scaling limits to the blockchain if you have uh, a three billion <laughs> user DAO. But yeah. we'll solve that problem. Yeah, I, I think in, in terms of scale, I, I think I, I have reasonable confidence that as more people turn turn onto DAOs, we'll, we'll kind of figure out some of these scaling problems. But there probably are limitations of some sort, whether they're technical or like social cultural to these DAOs that we haven't quite figured out yet. I guess like when it comes to the DAOs, because a certain part of the governance is on chain, it does lower the friction for the processes that are in place that has to interact with government bodies, like local government bodies. I have a friend that does interior design and just getting permits for some of the stuff to redo places that can take a while. And so in, in the same way, like getting, getting a vote for to getting a vote to act on a certain proposal in a DAO is all on chain. And so in a DAO that can go a lot faster. You don't need to involve the structures that are in place in the law for for things like that. Yeah, and I think that people are looking into ways that DAO can DAOs can also run without constantly having to vote or pull the the members to vote. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you can structure DAOs in any decision making way that you wish. You can delegate decisions to certain people or to certain groups or to a, you know, a uh, founding person or benevolent dictator for life, presumably. Mm-hmm. It's all up to you kind of how you want to structure it. And presumably everyone will agree upon that as a fair structure for the running of the project. Yeah. One of the interesting things about having a thousand DAOs bloom is that you get a lot of different governance structures with a lot of these different projects. And so one of the interesting things about having state governments deciding certain things for themselves is you get little pockets of experiments uh, where different states can see what works, what doesn't, right? And then the ones that are successful, other states can copy it or take a version of that and apply it to their own state. But we only have 50 states to run these sort of experiments on. And so with the DAO, you can experiment with a lot of different types of governing and voting schemes. Like people have talked about quadratic voting and 
you know, weighted voting or what is, is a stacked ranking or something like that. And yeah. so, right, it's really hard to get these sort of ideas implemented in traditional organizations that are like in, in state governance that tries these things out. But with DAOs, you can just try it out, see, see what sort of unintended side effects there are to these different rules that you have. And hopefully we can take the best of that and replicate it across different DAOs and perhaps maybe eventually like our own state and federal legislature for specific things. Yeah, or maybe we will replace our state and federal legislatures with DAOs themselves. With DAOs themselves. And <laughs> that may be a scary thing that like governments may not like. And so uh, I guess we'll see, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in the interface between DAOs and uh, traditional decision-making bodies, whether they are governments or traditional corporations. And you know, something that comes to mind is that Wall Street Bets, the subreddit, was able to meaningfully move the stock price of. AMC and a few other meme stocks. And so you can imagine that there could be a Wall Street Bets DAO, which actually pools their money together and actually takes a you know, significant ownership of a traditional corporation. And then what happens then, right? Like that yeah. is such a weird world. It is a weird world because like nowadays people are driven by memes too. And so you're going to get like completely irrational DAOs that just, I don't know, they're like chaos monkeys running around, like just doing it for the lulls. And I can see some uh, odd stuff happening and I'm not sure whether that's like a net good or a net bad, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think there's gonna just be pure chaos for a while. And like you alluded to, I think that the traditional power structures are going to start to get cagey about their sort of uh, monopoly on power erode, I suppose. So, yeah. you know, if, for example, this Wyoming commune it actually starts taking off and starts running in a way, I think that maybe other city governments or other traditional politicians might look at that and start to feel like the system in which they have built their careers uh, is sort of eroding or this is undermining those uh, those values and uh, you know there might be a lot of regulation or a lot of outrage around around these DAOs. similar with the financial industry i think if there are DAOs that start to do chaotic things and cause big movements in the markets the traditional financial firms and the SEC and all of those, you know, entities are going to start to look more closely into DAOs and start to sort of push back against it. And, and it'll be an interesting world. Yeah. 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 I can see that. And, and we, we've been talking a lot about DAOs in terms of uh, governance in in our society, but you could have governance at a variety of different levels from like your local HOA, 
all the way up to, you know, whatever the school board or, or even like for certain products, right? Like a lot of the organizations that we use to run these services and products in our lives take the form of a company, but they could presumably also be DAOs as well. And so given, given that sort of scope, like what, what are some of the second, third order effects that you can like see from you, like our, our limited vantage point here in 2021? Yeah, I think that um, you alluded to it through this sort of chaos monkeys comment. But the way that I think DAOs are going to start to have these higher order effects is that they've lowered friction for people to organize themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you think about how much work it takes to actually set up a legal entity like a nonprofit or a incorporate a new town or incorporate a corporation, it takes a lot of work. And there are some startups now that are reducing that that friction so stripe atlas allows you to sort of in a, in a few mm-hmm. clicks incorporate an actual legal entity but if if you imagine bringing that friction all the way to zero you basically can have DAOs that represent decision making at a micro scale so you can have a group of people like almost like a gaming guild kind of get together and you know spin up a DAO and then they now have all the full decision making power of any other you know larger DAO they can start to you actually become voting members of larger DAOs so that's an interesting thing about DAOs is that DAOs can be voting members of other DAOs and and they might you know and and actually a small gaming guild assume depending on who the members are can actually amass like enough assets to actually do interesting things whereas if you have you know a group of 10 friends like it's actually kind of cumbersome to amass assets into a shared bank account and do anything interesting with it yeah and so uh, there's so many things that I wanted to reply to in that that comment it's just rich with side tangents but one thing i was thinking was maybe i wasn't thinking big enough with like where DAOs could go like you could have a DAO down to the individual level where people can buy i guess equity in a single person and then they can vote and dictate on which college you go to maybe or like (laughs) you know like i guess there are like a variety of different possibilities for this sort of thing and so that feels a little bit weird in itself because at what point does that kind of tip over to like groups of people owning somebody right which we've yeah. traditionally like not felt great about and then <laughs> and then the the flip side is is where you can have a uh, virtual influencers run by a DAO that would be kind of an odd world as well and so right now, nowadays, there are virtual influencers on Instagram or TikTok in which they're computer generated people that is selling like a lifestyle or a product. And so right now it's like a small team, but you can imagine like a, a DAO being behind one of those. And then to kind of carry that a little bit further, you could have 
not just influencers, but politicians or avatar politicians that represent one specific ideology and then a DAO behind that to kind of push and realize that ideology forward. And in some ways that also feels a little bit scary as well, because if anybody can start DAOs, you're gonna get all sorts of like crazy ass stuff that is running around. And if people are meme driven, then I can see how some of these things that wouldn't work so well in like the ideology that wouldn't work so well in practice, amass a, a huge following to kind of push things through without really realizing what the side effects or the repercussions are, right? Um, just looking at Brexit, there are people that voted for it. They're like, oh, I didn't know this would happen. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think the, the positive aspect of it is that maybe there's a chance to kind of break this two-party state mentality yeah, that we yeah. have in the U.S., right? So there are definitely a lot of different causes that people believe in, which we've sort of uh, um, created this like umbrella parties. But you can imagine that you can actually splinter those into their individual causes. People care about environment, a certain aspect of the economy, certain yeah, it, environment for that specific river, or you know, you can break it down. You can cut and dice it these DAOs and their missions into a variety of different places. Because like, if the cost for starting one is so cheap, then people are going to start applying it to all sorts of things. And like you mentioned before, like once the once you get improvements beyond an order of magnitude, it starts not just being a, a improvement in quantity, but also an improvement in quality because you can apply to completely different things that you probably wouldn't have applied it to before, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and the interesting thing about having such a variety of DAOs at different levels of scope is that, like you mentioned, you can be affiliated with multiple of them. So in the politics example, you can be affiliated with you know, something that conserves your local river, something that advocates for you know, certain privacy rights, let's say, and, and maybe something that invests in you know, renewable energies or something like that. And so you can, you can have multiple affiliations rather than having one party affiliation. But similarly, you, the way that right now you sort of work for a single company, it's possible that in the future, you actually just work for a fluid set of DAOs depending on your particular skill set and what the demand is for that. And you know, one thing that I've heard a lot in the context of DAOs is that they can create bounties and they say, we as a DAO, you know, control these assets and we want this thing to happen. And so we're going to create a bounty. And if you solve this problem for us, then, you know, you get the, get the money uh, or get the tokens or whatever it is. And so you can imagine that maybe there's a future of work where rather than saying, I'm going to go to the same place every day, you say, okay, I'm going to, I see that there's a nice bounty that I think I can solve. I'm going to go and get that bounty. And then the next month or whatever, you see a different DAO and then you contribute to that one. And so you don't have this like rigid affiliation anymore. Yeah. It's kind of like a giant shared group to-do list 
that you earn money from, right? And so effectively, like inside of organizations, like PMs, the product managers or the project managers like organize this sort of stuff and it gets doled out to different engineers. But here, like it's it's similar in that sense, and but it's collective collectively organized bounties. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's one of the things that escaped my mind when you were asking earlier about like what sort of things does this change and definitely like the nature of work is changing if you think like just working remote is weird like working at DAOs in which like you're not tied to any one specific organization will also feel a little bit weird as well and they can vary in their order of magnitude from like say a single local area single person up to like the local national level and it it, it made me wonder because earlier we glossed over the fact that like DAOs could be members of other DAOs right and so you could imagine that the local HOA DAO or like the local school board feeds is also a member of the like the state DAO or something like that or or yeah any number of things but there's nothing to prevent DAOs from having cycles of dependencies and so i wonder what sort of conflicts of interest will arise when this sort of thing happens because like usually we think of organizations as being hierarchical and it especially governing bodies because that's kind of how we've organized and it's a little bit easier for us to wrap our heads around but DAOs are effectively networked um, because DAOs can be members of any other DAO and there's nothing stopping them and so if you get cycles like and if you're one person is a is a member of different ones in that cycle I, I'm not sure I can work out in my head like what the effects of that will be and so will it be something where it feels very democratic but the net effect is that like one person is able to like pull some strings or because it's so complicated no one person can really control it just like no one person controls our, like our market dynamics and a lot of us is just trying to kind of figure out our local view try to make the best bet and then we we get to watch everything like pan out in real time i hope it's a ladder because that's really interesting right because it's yeah. it's not just the DAOs for what we want to do today like sometimes i wonder a if there's enough energy on earth available to keep sending rocket ships like up into space right because at some point you might use up the available energy if you haven't like made the leap to the like the next technological tech next technology in the tech tree for generating energy right yeah and but Another factor besides the energy available is whether we can accumulate enough capital to motivate people to collectively build all the stuff to go into space. Like, it'd be awesome if we had a Dyson Sphere DAO. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, the current uh, way of the world. Uh, 
uh, people have been complaining about it, especially in the Silicon Valley. Mark Andreessen and uh, Patrick Carlson and all, all of these people have this thesis that progress has stalled. Like our institutions right now are so slow moving. They've grown to the point that they have some type of decision-making paralysis that we can't take on big infrastructure the way that we used to be able to. Uh-huh. And so people say that, you know, we built whatever arbitrary infrastructure, the Hoover Dam or something in like two or three years, and that would take you know, forever nowadays. And so, yeah, thinking about, you know, big, big humanity advancing ideas like building a Dyson sphere or, you know, being able to become an interplanetary species. I think that maybe having this, you know, alternative decision-making model can help us, you know, get there faster. And one way that I think it can help us get there faster is based on this idea that uh, DAO membership is fluid and that DAOs can be part of uh, other DAOs is that let's say that you wanted to build a Dyson sphere around the earth. You actually don't need to incorporate a Dyson sphere corporation, which is now solely responsible for hiring all the people, uh, interviewing all, all of them, bringing them on and, and structuring it in such a yeah. way that this massive infrastructure can happen. You can have a sort of this super DAO that says, we have raised the funds to make this happen. We've collected, you know, the, the sort of enthusiasm around this project. And here are the problems that we need to solve. And then other DAOs or other individuals can say, hey, I can do something about that. And they can give it a try. And you kind of have this like free market. Because if you think about corporations now, it's kind of a command economy. Like even free corporations that compete with each other in the free market internally are organized kind of like communist governments that Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, CEO or whatever says, here's the thing that matters to this company. And then all the managers say, okay, to the people below them, okay, here's what matters and here's what you should do. And, you know, uh, Dow kind of breaks that by saying, you know, this is our, our needs or here's the demand. And then whoever can supply it can supply it and you can get the reward and uh, you kind of build towards this larger goal. Uh, are there people inside of DAOs that would be good at breaking down a, a big task? Because like if the if plan A is build a Dyson sphere and then C is to profit, you need people in the middle to be able to figure out what the step two is, right? And so presumably, yeah. like I, yeah, like I, DAOs won't. I don't. I don't know that DAOs solve that problem, but you still need like a, a variety of different ingredients to to do that. But the, the point that I think you're trying to make is for organizations in which we used to do collective action, like it's traditionally been uh, onerous to get some of these things in place because the overhead is pretty high because we just didn't have the tools for coordination, both the communication type of tools uh, and the kind of the governance tools or the, yeah, like the uh, financial and economic tools available to us. But I think with the DAO, we're starting to see some of these variations come online that have different characteristics 
that don't have as much overhead to get set up. So we should be excited to see like what sort of things these these DAOs should be able to accomplish in the world, whether it's in the digital world, financial world, or in the real real physical world to move atoms around. Yeah, definitely. I think one side note going back to the the collective decision making and will DAOs be able to sufficiently break down problems. I think that there's a lot of work that I see going on in the human-centered AI and also oh. the uh, rational rationality uh-huh. group of people that are focused on how can we break down large problems and fan them out to the crowd aggregate them and actually come to some consensus about things Mm -hmm. and so uh there's an interesting uh project called ought o-u-g-h-t dot org that's focused on this so i think that yeah yeah like you mentioned which way will these DAOs go? Will we be able to reason about how they work? Or you know, will we kind of uh, have mass confusion? I think that DAOs, if they go in the direction that we're thinking, are going to drive demand for a lot of other tools that allow us to break down decision-making that was previously kind of been made uh, through closed doors, gut decisions, based on the edicts of you know somebody the DAOs are going to drive demand for other ways of breaking down problems maybe in a way that's more evidence-based or more rational so to speak oh so then one of the things you touched on did you mean to say also that you could have DAO members that are bots yeah I think that you know, we're, we're no uh, strangers to having bots play with humans on this podcast. I think on episode one, we said that bots can contribute right. to knowledge graphs and things. Yeah, I, I see no reason why bots could not uh, contribute to DAOs in some way. Right, yeah. either either as, a, either as or administrators, like say breaking down the tasks or be able to do pattern recognition. And so once again, they do some of the grunt work and leave the final voting and governance to the humans or like they get elevated status in which they get a, a vote say because they can gather and process a large amount of data. So it's helpful to have both AIs with different algorithms have a weighted vote inside of the DAO organization alongside of the humans that are collectively voting, right? Yeah, I think that's going to be a really, really weird world. (laughs) If it hasn't been already. (laughs) Because I don't know, (coughs) excuse me, how, how many people will kind of accept this kind of world, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I am skeptical, but I think that definitely initially there are lots of, you know, minor tasks that an AI can do in a DAO, but this is going to be a controversial take. A lot of the function of HR departments in a corporation are basically just making sure that boxes are ticked and that you know, contracts have been signed, the employment agreement has been signed, the, uh, you know, 
when you leave a corporation that you've returned your badge or whatever, right? And these are all right. just like very automatable processes. And I imagine there's going to be similar types of bookkeeping, maybe not like badging, uh, but some other kind of bookkeeping yeah. that happens in a DAO that you can delegate to a bot. And, and we're, we're riffing on this idea of like AIs being, you know, you know, thinking machines that be, are making big decisions, but even small things, you could have a small program that is a member of a DAO that uh, serves as basically the HR department of that DAO, mm. make sure that yeah. uh, all the things are in order, bookkeeping is done. Yeah, I, I think like the, the different scales that we want to think about this, it leads to a lot of odd scenarios. Like, I think it's, it's tempting to think of like AI and DAOs as in the big, but they can also work in the small as well. And that's one of the things I think that makes technology pretty transformative is, is the democratization of things that are usually for people that are elite, privileged, or moneyed, right? And so if these sort of tools to create collective action organizations are available, not just to governments uh, and state level actors, but to individual groups of people, like what sort of things would come out of it? Yeah, I, I can see people, actually one of the things that I flippantly said that I want to do on my bucket list is to build a loop-de-loop in the middle of the desert in the US, like along the highway. And maybe it just takes a DAO with a whole bunch of memes to get people on board. Like, I don't need to get rich anymore. I just get people <laughs> to get on this, this vision and they'll fund it. And so, you know, like, I guess there's an option. You, you don't have to go through the loop-de-loop if <laughs> like there's a, there's a side ramp, but like, yeah, like you waive all your insurance rights and whatnot if you want to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that there are a lot of interesting small projects that, and small improvements, right? We're talking about DAOs running, you know, massive infrastructure projects, but yeah, there's plenty of things that there's, you know, energy around interest around. If you think about things like Burning Man, yeah. uh, which is kind of a city that spins up and turns down every year right it lasts for uh, a week or two and then it turns down and burning man is sort of a singular example of that kind of thing mm -hmm. but because it takes so much energy actually burning man is a massive endeavor and uh, they have very very dedicated people who you know coordinate with i, I think like the nevada government and whatever to get to get all the permits and make all that stuff happen but imagine if you had uh, you know, thousands of Burning Mans, not literally Burning Mans, but like similar types of, you know, ephemeral experiments to, you know, have a festival, to have a, a type of, you know, take care of a some type of infrastructure, to build some kind of entertaining venue. And the friction was so low that you could just let people do this without having to you know stand up a corporation and do all the traditional boring things yeah i think that you could have thousands of little oddities that were taken care of by DAOs, and maybe the world would be enriched because it would allow people to do a lot more interesting things in the world than they otherwise are right now 
Yeah, and so some of what you're talking about is disposable DAOs. That is also kind of an odd notion. In the same way that Burning Man is ephemeral and it's technically disposed of, but the I suppose the spirit lives on in the participants for that year. Yeah. And and if DAOs are also similarly disposable, I can imagine the future that future looking very incomprehensible to me today because i certainly do not keep up with a lot of the tiktok trends or whatever it is whatever inside joke right like yeah. i i rely on on other people to tell me about this stuff and i subscribe to i'm outing myself now i guess uh, out of the loop the subreddit out of the loop where yep. people just ask like what the hell's going on with this and then you get a summary and even that I imagine is relatively late. Like, and so I can see meme DAOs or like very special interest or things that are ephemeral DAOs where people are multiple members of things. And and that that being a lot of inside jokes that I don't understand. And yeah. so therefore I would not hear about to join. And so it, it, in that way, it's kind of like in the same way that people probably 100, 200 years ago would find the internet a little bit incomprehensible because all this stuff is happening, but like it's, it's, it's not real, right? So, yep. so like people's minds and attitudes have changed seemingly without talking to each other or getting next to each other, right? And so that's a little bit of a strange effect for people 200 years ago. And so I think similarly, we'll, we'll probably see that sort of illegibility in these DAOs, especially if they are so easily brought up and down. Yeah, that's that's true. Right now, if you, you know, want to look up organization, they're fairly stable and they have a large presence somewhere so yeah. you can find companies on linkedin you can you know hear about nonprofit organizations through various volunteer directories or whatever donation donation directories but yeah if you have these DAOs, i actually saw a really interesting kind of ephemeral DAO where somebody was running a a reality show that was based on a like sailing around the world wow. and so if you own an NFT, you can be part of this DAO and you get to tell the boat where its next destination is and <laughs> these reality people somewhere. And so yeah. you get a, a chance to like uh, influence this. And I can't imagine that that DAO is going to last for, you know, years and years. That's a kind of a, you spin it up, you yeah. have like a laugh at this reality show. It's going to last a, what, a few episodes and then it's, you're going to spin it down. And so, yeah, there's probably going to be some kind of discovery mechanism, some kind of TikTok or Twitter-ish way to find out like what's going on, what kind of DAOs are going on and then like get involved. And, and then like those things will last as long as, you know, memes and hot takes last today. Yeah. And uh, I guess another in, uh... Even though the DAOs are ephemeral, the public ledger is forever. So you can actually see a history of these things popping in and out of existence too, if you can analyze the entire history of the public ledger. And so I wonder what sort of 
if, if that information is valuable, I guess you can see like what sort of DAOs have worked and what sort of DAOs happen. And so if you want to build that Dyson sphere or the loop-de-loop, -loop, you can take lessons from that. But I, maybe it's, it's the same with like, with people figured out that the internet can go, make things go viral. They're just like, oh, we can't replicate this. Maybe on, on, until like BuzzFeed came along and they're just like, I know it's listicles, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. maybe it's something like that. I think the public ledger is interesting. I've always um, been really fascinated uh, with historical documentaries. And if you listen to these historical documentaries or watch them, uh, a lot of their um, content and the basis by which they know how things were back then <laughs> were because people used to write letters. Yeah. They would write like, dear John, you know, my neighbor recently got the first washing machine or the first radio I had ever seen in my town and like that's how we know like that here you know, John that, that. I hope this letter finds you well <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, I spent a fortnight on a on, on a horse yeah like whatever yeah. people say I, I wish I was much better at impersonating them but go on <laughs> it's pretty good yeah and so this is how we know what life was like on the frontier and and, and how you know some frontier town was run and whatnot and you know i think there's there's obviously a lot of content now where we're documenting our lives ever increasingly but it's in these like walled gardens it's in you know property or not property of but at least on, in the custody of these large corporations and and which so, could go away and if they get either acquired or something else happens so they have no qualms about just throwing out the hard drive and erasing things and then there's this mad scramble i mean like geocities is a company that hosted web pages for people in the early 90s or so like and, and so like when they were like acquired by yahoo yahoo kind of kept them around for a while but eventually they weren't strategic around enough and so they're just like f it like we're just gonna get rid of it you have like a week or two to download your stuff if you care right and then it was yeah. this mad scramble to archive, but then they just tossed, yeah, they just erased those drives. So, I mean, uh, as yeah. big as a corporation is today, that's no guarantee that they'll keep that stuff around tomorrow. Yeah, and, and I think like when it, uh, maybe it's okay that, it's not okay, but like we can deal with the loss of, you know, some small, uh, you know, hobbyist sites, but as- but collectively, more, but collectively, I don't know if that's, I mean, it's yeah, that's a pretty big loss. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, as I think about these DAOs, uh, it's interesting that even these small throwaway DAOs can uh, live on forever in the blockchain. Uh, they have the permanent record because we'll be able to see also going, you know, deep into the future. If you're a kind of long term thinker, we'll have this record of what were all the efforts that were tried, what were the interests that you know people were working towards and those will be sort of memorial memorialized in, in the blockchain yeah actually there there is is there a is there a field called digital archaeology nowadays or or not or or are most so. archaeologists like deal with pottery and stuff um yeah i mean i think you know those people are like think about wall street bets i'm sure that there are people who are you know archivists and and things who are going to have to make note of oh there was this subreddit there was a thing called reddit and there was this group within reddit 
who was, you know, interested in market manipulation and they had this effect <laughs> on, on, uh, you know, the stock, but like all of that has to be documented. Whereas if wall street bets was a DAO, uh, you can see right there, like, oh, they amassed all this money and then they voted to buy a bunch of GameStop stock and, you know, hundreds of years from now, I, I don't know if anybody will be interested in that. But if they were, they could go and inspect this thing and see what people did about that. I'm sure there will be. I mean, there's this guy, CGP Gray or whatever his face is on, on YouTube. He did a whole episode on the origins of the name Tiffany and leads you down this rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, if, if that guy exists today, there will be some like digital archaeologists in, in the future and blockchain history or whatever history we record on blockchain will we'll probably be interest to them. So, yeah. yeah, so I guess we've talked about a lot of things that, yeah, I mean, in doing the research for this, I didn't think of some of these things, but I guess that's why we talk to each other, where some of these things just seem like it's a, a, a really weird world for the lack of a, a better word for it and I do wonder whether we'll survive it or we'll be like those those people that just say uh, I just don't want to deal with this and you know you know whippersnappers do whatever so yeah I, I think that the world is going to become increasingly chaotic and that kind of chaos is going to provide the energy that we need to kind of break out of sort of the great stagnation, as we say, and then maybe DAOs are going to allow us to actually move the world forward in a meaningless, uh, meaningful way rather than having <laughs> meaningless. Be, right. I mean, there could be plenty of that, right? So, yeah. so but yeah. No, yeah, no, no, I, I, I think we should yeah. have both meaningless and meaningful DAOs and not constrain them. But I think overall, being able to give groups of people the the power to make a make an actual tangible influence on the world, whether the digital world or the physical world, is I think a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hope there would be a balance of chaos and stability because, like, if you don't have some of the underlying stability, it's hard to do commerce without like a politically stable state with like laws and jurisdictions right and so some i'm not saying that i i would hope that DAOs don't do away with the infrastructure that we currently do have but what i do hope is that it'll allow people to do collective action on things that traditionally have been underserved by our governments or like ngos or, or nonprofits or even just like people that want to vote on naming a boat, Bodie McBoatface or whatever, right? And so, I mean, gives a little bit more color to the world. And so for things like that, like I'm all for it. But yeah, like I I am, I think as with, as with most things that we talk about on this show, when we extrapolate out, I'm both excited and apprehensive about the world to come. And so I would say, yeah, it's, probably a sign of interesting times and it's hard to see that in the large when you live it day to day because it might not change day to day that much but in fact like things have changed so much in the last 20 years right so 
Yeah, and the crazy thing about DAOs is that they're changing week to week, day to day almost. The activity in the space is super hot. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to the first court case where a <laughs> DAO is sued in, in a U.S. court for some type of shenanigans. And I think that'll be a very interesting time for case law. I think uh, there will be a lot of lulls to be had. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and hopefully we'll <laughs> see how we can strike the balance between uh, mimetic chaos of the online world and the stability of the institutions we rely on. Yeah. Yeah, so with that, how's your optimism? It is through the roof. I think <laughs> let's build a Dyson Sphere right now. I'm going to start a Dyson DAO. <laughs> All right. And so this is uh, for Sri. This is Will. And this is Sri. And we are going to talk about more interesting and cool edges of technology next week. So don't miss out. Join us and uh, subscribe, like, and smash that like, subscribe button, or whatever it is. Bam, bam, bam. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, take care. Bye.